Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you've never watched a Rams game in your life before and you don't know what a fourth down is or how a team scores, you don't have to be an expert for enjoyment to occur. If you need a team to root for, that's what we're here for. It's not a car. It's not a bus. Hop on board, you're safe with us. Welcome to the bandwagon. He's Larry and I'm Kevin. Welcome to the bandwagon. Go Rams, go now, come on in, all aboard. Hey, here we go. Actually, that's a, I, I was going to come up with a fancy start for the podcast, but I think we're going to start with the okay, here we go. We're already rolling, Larry. <laughs> Okay, here we go. We'll work just fine. I don't. I don't know why. You, don't overthink it, yeah, there, Kevin. I'm an. Yeah. Over, it's it's what I do. I'm an overthinker. Uh, Are you? <laughs> Clearly, I'm, it has, doesn't show on this podcast. So you're <laughs> you're using that energy elsewhere for sure. Come on, Larry. Come on. I'm a, I think like I put so much thinking into this. Uh, yeah. Okay. No, no. I spend I spend zero. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. We're recording right now. Uh, <laughs> it is welcome <laughs> to the bandwagon, as as Larry likes to call it. We're a rickety bucket of bolts that's. Uh, Barely, barely keeping alive, but here we are. That's Larry Morgan. I'm Kevin Schatz, and uh, we and we we have like a legit guest today and everything. And here we are starting our podcast like we've never done it before in our lives. Yeah, uh, I mean, we we actually because we are in the midst. If you know anything about this podcast, you already know this is that we are not that well versed in the sport, uh, the, the nuts and bolts, the X's and O's of football. We talk about that all the time. This is a Rams fan podcast. But here in the offseason, one of the biggest events that could possibly happen in the offseason is getting new players, getting that, you know, being involved in the draft, where you're picking the draft falls. Now, uh, we we know that uh, the Rams are... uh, Yeah. Yeah, they're they're in trouble. Uh, yeah, they're not. They're they they did. And in fact, I want I look forward to asking our guest his opinion on whether the trade we made mm-hmm. for uh, Matthew Stafford because it paid off with a Super Bowl win the following year. But long term, was it a good idea? I'm I'm going to be very curious to see what he thinks because um, there are plenty of people around the NFL who will say so called experts or or just dumb radio people uh, <laughs> who, who will tell you that we gave up too much just for that one year. But wow, what a great year, right? I mean, we're I certainly we, enjoying we the a, benefit of it, we, right? We sure got a Super Bowl ring out of it. Um, our guest is standing by and right. I, I believe can hear us. And um, yeah, I'll go ahead and bring his bring him on. You want to introduce him, Larry? 
Yeah, I mean, even for dumb, casual football fans like Kevin and I, uh, sorry to speak for you, Kevin, uh, (laughs) the name Lee Steinberg should be very familiar if you've been following the NFL or American sports in general as uh, a a super agent, he might be referred to, also a philanthropist and author, and he's uh, represented over 300 professional athletes in various sports. He's, this is a, an amazing stat. He's represented the number one overall pick in the NFL draft a record eight times. Eight times the number one overall pick. So there is no better person to talk to about the draft, especially when trying to explain it to a couple of dumb guys like us, <laughs> uh, than uh, Lee Steinberg, who also is credited with being the real-life inspiration for the Jerry Maguire character in that uh, very popular movie. Lee Steinberg, thank you for being here on Welcome to the Bandwagon. So welcome to the our bandwagon. Well, thank you. I'm always wanting to hop on the bandwagon. <laughs> hey, there's our drop. Well, we got everything we need. Thanks for your time, <laughs> Lee. We'll see you next time. <laughs> I mean, we've, we formed, the Kevin and I formed this podcast, formed this podcast. We, we, we created this podcast based upon the fact that uh, we are relatively new Los Angeles Rams fans. When they moved back to Los Angeles, we did, in fact, jump on that bandwagon from the standpoint of we, we got a team back in L.A., there was some excitement around it. Clearly, there are opportunities to jump on the bandwagon even further once the Rams win a freaking Super Bowl. Uh, didn't quite get there this past year, obviously, and so we're trying to kind of keep people uh, from from <laughs> jumping off, but they're welcome to jump back on. So we're going to talk to you a little bit more about uh, the Rams prospects coming up this season. But thank you so much for joining us, especially at a time when there is, uh, you know, I was gonna, I was going to say, for people in your line of work, people who are agents, uh, your off season is probably the regular season, but <laughs> this time of year is probably when the real work is going down, right? Right. Well, I feel uh, very honored to be on this podcast because I fell in love with football back in the 1950s when my father took us to the Coliseum to see the Rams play. And we had like the $1 seat, so you would have need the uh, electron microscope to be able to see any of the features of the players. But uh, And then in 94, I led the committee to save the Rams. We fought really hard to try to keep them here. And we won the first vote with the league, and then they allowed Georgia to leave for $30 million. And I, in the ensuing years, worked really hard to try to bring a team back so I couldn't be uh, more thrilled uh, than to have my childhood team uh, back and a year ago winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. yeah they, well, they, they do not have well, $1 seats now at SoFi. Yeah. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> Put a few zeros after that one to get the nosebleeds. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that I, I did note that, that the, the Save the Rams campaign, you know, I was a, I was a, a boy in, in 94 when, when the Rams and the Raiders both left the same year. And I spent 20 years not having a team. And so it, it is very special. It was very cool to see that you had that, that uh, Rams story uh, attached with with you, um, you know, looking at the looking at the draft, we're, we're two guys. Of, Larry and I were just talking before you got on. We don't. We're kind of your average fan. We sort of are paying attention to the draft a little bit, um, but don't know every name and every possibility that's available out there. But the Rams' earliest pick is the thirty seventh pick in this draft. Uh, they haven't had a number one pick for seven years. 
kind of an obvious question, but when you when you're not getting high draft picks like that, it's hard to it's hard to build something. Can you comment on that a little? They have the exact opposite philosophy that they're better off to wait until a player's matured and becomes a star and then plug and play into whatever their weaknesses are by trading for the Jalen Ramsey's of the world or for the quarterback. And so that's a conscious decision that took them to the Super Bowl. Obviously, last year, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Mm-hmm. But I don't anticipate that lasting very long because they have a strong uh, organization. But they have the opposite point of view, which is to uh, not value uh, top-round draft picks quite as highly, to feel like they can get value in, in the second through seventh round and then when they need a, a, a key player, um, the, they'll go out and, and trade for him. So it's the diametrically opposed uh, uh, way to build a team, but it's been successful for them. I think that's a, a good strategy. It's just not always a big fan-friendly strategy because the fans like the big flashy pick right up top. And we've seen plenty of busts happen, so we know what the risks are in that case. Uh, A lot of fans and a lot of uh, pundits, I guess you would say, would say that the Rams gave up too much to get Stafford and make that trade. It got them to the Super Bowl, yes, but how does it uh, portend for the future? Do you think they gave up too much for that trade? I don't. Uh, The most uh, impactful player in professional football is a franchise quarterback. And without a franchise quarterback, a team can spend uh, eternity looking to fill that position. And when I say franchise, someone you can build around for 10 to 12 years, someone that you can win because of rather than with, and most importantly, someone who in critical situations in adversity, quarterbacks throwing a couple interceptions, the game's getting away, the crowd is booing. What does he do then? Can he compartmentalize, adopt a quiet mind, and elevate his level of play uh, to get a team to the Super Bowl? So when you look at Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and Justin uh, Herbert and Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow and players like that. Um, They can take a team to and through the Super Bowl. And the Rams made the judgment, although um, he had a a very good year, Jared Goff, uh, but they made the judgment that he wasn't going to take them to the next step. And so then where do you find the quarterback where you can draft and then wait um, a couple years, but that's hit and miss. And they felt like, with Matthew Stafford, they had a, a, a franchise quarterback. He just was stuck in a system that couldn't utilize his talent. So um, if, if you don't make the move now for that quarterback when, and it's going to be expensive, you'll watch the trading at the top of the first round this year uh, so that uh, people can uh, get the Bryce Young or uh, Ohio State's quarterback. And you'll see what they give up, which is quite a lot. So um, nothing is too heavy a price as long as you don't give up your whole supporting cast, and they haven't. 
Well, let me ask you this: on uh, as someone, and, and forgive my ignorance, I'm not. Are, are you still? Uh, are you still a practicing agent now, or or like what is draft? What is <laughs> a draft practicing day? agent? Do you have office hours? Do you- <laughs> well, what I mean by that is, what is draft day going to be like for you? Is it or what is it like when you're representing athletes that are in this draft? Is it just the most chaotic day of the year? It's uh, the most suspenseful, <laughs> most rhapsodic, the most joyful moment there can be. So imagine you have a young man who since Pop Warner has been dreaming about this day. And imagine you have friends and families surrounding him who have all been part of the process. Now, our information is good enough that if um, we get into the draft, we're going to have a fair idea and be able to prep the player on where he's going to be picked as long as he's a, a top player because teams are pretty open. Um, the information acquisition for the public is really hard. There's a general amnesty online for front office executives when it comes towards the draft. They're not going to put their most uh, sacred and private plans in print. So right. They yeah. mislead. So, so let's say this. If, uh, if uh, NFL general manager went up to heaven and St. Peter was at the uh, door and he said, to the GM, what's the most egregious, flagrant sin you committed uh, when you were on earth? And he says, well, I misled everybody on the uh, draft and who we we're going to take. And St. Peter would say, come right in. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, but what happens is draft time is not real time. It's water torture time. Every second seems like a minute. Every oh. minute seems like an hour. Every Hours seems like a century. Drip, drip, drip. And so the tension ratchets up in in that front room with the player and his family, and it gets tighter and tighter. And even if I've told him exactly where uh, I think he'll go, and it happens, he's still uh, filled with anxiety and angst. And so uh, drip, 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 and then... He gets picked, and there's ecstasy and joy and total excitement. It's it's really the most fun day of the year. Boy, and, and I think we've all seen the footage of the players who have been touted as someone who's going to go in somewhere in the top 10, top 15, and then they just keep dropping and dropping, and they're sitting there in the room with their family in the, in the nice suit, and they... And they and they don't even get into the first round. That's when I'm sitting there and having this empathetic anxiety for them is just like that is that is you're right. It's a it's a torture. It's uh it's got to be emotionally just really devastating at the moment. A number of players have chosen not to go to the draft site, but rather to stay at home where they can have an infinite number of friends, family, the pastor, the high school coach, all surrounding them all as part of the process. I would not send a player to New York or or this year it's in Kansas City if I didn't have a firm idea they were going to be picked reasonably in the first round. If you can't find a team that's telling you, we're going to pick them. Don't send the player because it's it's uh, totally embarrassing and and, uh, and and the result of it is a distortion. So as you said at, at the beginning, the player is projected to go number twelve in the first round, and oh my gosh, he goes number twenty. What a 
horrible scenario. But then you step back and you just say, wait a second, you just were a first round draft pick and got picked number 20. Who cares what the prognostications were? That's a great result. So you're you're describing this moment of of insane anxiety for these for these athletes. And you as the agent, I mean, it seems like a big part of your job is being cool, calm, collected. What? And I'm I'm looking at, at a book that you had written that talks about getting what you want without selling your soul, which I love. Winning and integrity, winning with integrity, I love that. What would you say is your number one strength as an agent? What What did you rely on most? And and maybe that varies by situation. But what was your strength? What is your strength in this field? Listening skills. So the key is to be able to create an atmosphere of trust around another human being. And as you know, men don't share their deep emotional feelings quite as easily as women do. We do here. I'll tell you, we get vulnerable. Yeah, this podcast, we, we get to cry we, in all the time. Yeah, Too much. Yeah, too much. But you're right. You're right. For the most part, especially in the world of sports, that's not something you like put on the surface. So you have to draw out another person and see how they feel about short-term economic gain, long-term economic security, geographical location, uh, spiritual values, uh, uh, endorsements, being a starter, being uh, on a winning team. That constellation of values will be different for every single person. So my key is to listen and get in to the point where I know someone's deepest anxieties and fears and greatest hopes and dreams. And if I can emotionally put myself in their heart and mind and connect with what they're feeling, like I was in their brain or in their heart, then I have the ability to <clears throat> to anticipate. And that would be true on, on draft day. So you've had enough time with your client to really get a sense and hopefully the information flow yeah, what I'll tell the team is this. You don't have to share anything about the draft with me. But if you're trying to um, uh, lay the foundation to take one of our players, then tell me the truth. Is if, if you come up on the 22nd pick and this player is available, will you take him? I won't cross-fertilize that information. I won't be telling another general manager that. But just tell me the truth so I know. And that way we have a pretty good sense for the fact that a player is going to a certain team or a second or a third team. And it may come down to three hot teams and the rest of them you are never going to draft them. So I think what you're saying is that you need to get a whole lot more from the player you represent than just them shouting, show me the money at you. So uh, I get it. That's a movie. Uh, so, so Lee, uh, let's get back to the Rams real quick. And I don't know how much perspective you have on this, but because the Rams are drafting at a, at a lower spot, you have said that they're what they're really looking for. Do you think there is a specific player they have an eye on that you are aware of, or is it just going to be best player available when they get there? So what they do is they rank every player 0 through 10 at every position. So they have a draft board, and then they take the players overall and look at those rankings. And so, and they will run a computer simulation as to what players might be available if uh, the Chicago Bears pick so-and-so, and then the Houston uh, Texans pick so-and-so. And they run a variety of projections. So it's a little harder when you get into the second round. But they're trying to predict 
who might be the players that will be up. They're trying to not let that come down to the second, the five or ten minutes in the draft. They're trying to anticipate. And so they make a list of four or five people that they'll think are going to be available, and they'll debate it and talk about who they'd rather have. And then they'll prioritize that list. And um, if their top priority is still available, they'll take them. But they've got a pretty good handle on who, who might be in the second round when they pick. They've got all these mock drafts that are out there right now. Um, the one I'm looking at on uh, the NFL.com has Nolan Smith of Georgia being uh, the Rams' first pick at uh, number 36. Is that right? And uh, so uh, I guess it just is going to depend. Hey, this guy has me thinking, Lee, with the kind of relationship you have with players and stuff. I've, uh, this has just popped into my head as we talk about individual players. Do you ever play fantasy football? (laughs) (laughs) I'm very curious. I wonder if you uh, like. Uh, So I don't gamble because I have inside information. And and for example. uh, It could be just for fun. It could just be, you know, against people, uh, you know, against the office. Let me give you an example from a long time ago. So I go to the hotel on Saturday night where the players are staying. And it turns out that a big. defensive lineman has run into Steve Young during practice, no one knows that, and knocked him out, and he's not going to be able to play the next day. Well, I know that, but the way I know it is through trusted relationships, and if I went and bet, Mm. I could could make a fortune, but the point is, that's not that's not my role. On fantasy football, I've never played, but one year, someone asked me to give them some advice and give them some picks. And it was really easy for me. I told them, well, your first pick ought to be Peyton Manning. And this was at a time where he was hyperproductive. And then um, after that happened, Peyton Manning had a neck injury and didn't play all year. And oh, no. I decided to uh, retire uh, before I embarrassed myself. <laughs> uh, yeah, then, then maybe the right call to stay away from the fantasy football. <laughs> um, well, Lee, uh, I'm sorry, Kevin. Did you have another question before I, you we? Know, I did have one thought because you mentioned that you mentioned the idea of a franchise quarterback being, um, you know, the biggest thing you can get on the football field. And I know that you uh, have represented a, across a wide variety of sports. Is is an NFL quarterback the prominent, you know, sort of position across all of sports, or is there? And I guess I'd ask, what would be an equivalent in another sport? What would be the kind of the next highest, most high profile? A dominating uh, baseball pitcher, a a yep. the equivalent of an Aaron Judge home run hitter. Yeah. But the truth is that the difference is in football, the quarterback's leading and directing the team. Yeah. So all of the synergy necessary when – when Aaron Judge stands up there, it's just him and the pitcher. When Patrick Mahomes goes out and plays, he's got to be directing where the ball goes. He's he's a function of every other player and protection and the rest of it. None of that's true with a baseball hitter. Now, a um, shooting guard in in basketball. Um, is another key position. But I don't think there's anything like the team leader um, on, on a football team. And the reality is 
that about a third of the games are blowouts. And about 60% of them these days are coming down to the fourth quarter. And many of them, as you just saw last football season, to the last drive. And so the critical nature, and there are people who can flourish in that situation. There are people who crumble in that situation. Doesn't make them a bad person, but it's not the person you want as your quarterback. And so I don't – the. The real answer to your question is there is no comparison. It's the quarterback in football's the uh, most critical position. Yeah, the premier position. Well, well, the coach, the general manager. <laughs> I mean, if you really want to predict success in sports, take a look at the owner, take a look at the front office and their culture and their skill set, and take a look at the coach because the players go round and round. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, Lee, we, we've so appreciated your time. Definitely want to be respectful. If, if, um, if you are able to come across those $1 tickets at SoFi, are you, are you coming with Larry and I? Are we go, is the bandwagon showing up together or what? Okay. Do either of you have a telescope? Uh, <laughs> oh, all right. I, I see I where you're going here. <laughs> maybe we maybe we get a better view in the place that we normally watch it, which is sitting our, our butts on our couches uh, every Sunday, because that's about the only time we actually can have some access to the Rams, <laughs> to the Rams even with this podcast. Well, you know, one of my proposals for years was to take a section in a football stadium and maybe reserve five to 10,000 seats per game and distribute them to, to younger people and working people and, you know, seed the future um, so that, you know, it's really difficult to love a sport if you haven't played it yourself or you haven't seen it played live. And if you can't afford to even one ticket, yeah, I think that's a wonderful idea. Kind of the idea of the student section at some college, you know, stadiums where, you know, it's just kind of part of uh, the camaraderie of of the team and getting the students in there. I think that would be a wonderful idea. Uh, we'll back you on that one, yeah. uh, <laughs> Lee. Hey, Lee Steinberg, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, check out Lee online. Uh, his He's got uh, several books that he's written. Um, if you have ever wondered to yourself, hmm, uh, does a sports agent actually have integrity? I, I think we have the answer to that. Uh, it, it's so nice to hear you talk about this in the way you have, and yeah. and kudos on on what an incredible career and the fact that you got freaking Patrick Mahomes as part of your world now. Yeah. Wow. Well, the, the real key is for athletes to understand they have an ability to serve as role models and to go back yeah. to the high school community and set up a scholarship fund or Boys and Girls Club or church, go to the university community, endow a scholarship or white room, and then go to the pro community and set up a charitable foundation with leading business figures, political figures, and community leaders that can execute a program. So when Warg Nunn puts the 200th single mother in the first home they'll ever own by making the down payment and moving a family in, that's a mark of his character and and is every bit as important as how well he plays. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so great to hear. Lee Steinberg, it is uh, such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for your insight and your time. And uh, hope uh, whatever, however you're involved in this upcoming draft, if you are at all, I hope it goes well for you. We didn't, uh, we didn't dig into that, but uh, probably none of our business. So. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, Lee. Take care. I appreciate you, Lee. Take care. Uh, there he goes, Lee Steinberg. Oh, cool. Wow, really appreciate and admire what what he had to say there. What a what a man of integrity and and it, there's empathy in the way he deals with with yes. his clients and just uh, the listening being the number. I mean, that is. You know, you kind of get this idea of a sports agent in your head and and especially modern day and being very aggressive and and fighting for and 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 there's definitely a, a component that goes into that for sure, but Sure. And you got to think that those right guys way. exist. Yeah. yeah. I, you got to expect that the slick used car salesman type is is out there. Um but yeah. th- this guy shows uh, with the kind of success he's had over uh I mean, I think his first major client was in the 70s, I think he said, uh, Steve Bart- 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 Bartowski, uh, I think, who went number one. <laughs> I mean, like, I think his, <laughs> think his yes, first client yes. went number one in the draft. Wow. Um, so at, at the, if you look him up, if you're not that familiar with Lee Steinberg, look him up and see the number of players and athletes that he has represented over the years. So there's something there that says uh, people respect what he does. They know they'll get results, but they'll also be treated uh, the way they uh, deserve to be treated. And when you have somebody like Patrick Mahomes as part of his world, that says something right there. So yeah. uh, very cool to get some insight from him. Uh, I don't know if I'm any smarter about the draft, but <laughs> yeah. I I sure did enjoy hearing what he had to say about it. And also, don't you feel a little bit better about the Rams right now? I, like he. I, yeah, he was I, a little. He was kind of encouraging there, as far was. as like looking ahead. Yeah, no, I do. I feel a little bit better about the Rams. I feel, you know, I, this is going to sound silly, but I feel a little bit better about humanity in general after that <laughs> conversation. But oh, uh, I'll, I'll change that. Yeah, just give me a, a few more minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's get a few more minutes. Better on cut the mic this here. podcast off before I my uh, you know my evil seeps into you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, I I appreciated that optimism and and getting a little look at that, and I and I appreciated just kind of learning about the role of of of, of an agent in in sports in general. I mean, that was that was a real treat for me. Yeah, it, it it in in all honesty, it should be more about just getting them the best deal possible and getting them this the the biggest yeah. extension uh, that you, you know in history and that sort of thing. And and those are goals, and and sometimes those happen. But the fact that he talks about you know building a foundation and and building these charitable causes, I mean, for uh, an athlete to be well rounded, to be well respected, and to actually have an impact, there is a lot of expectation, I think, that you should be able to give back. You are making an astronomical amount of money, and it's got to be something more than just a a tax (laughs) write-off or PR, that if you can get, especially if you can give back to the community you came from or the community you play in, uh, it sounds to me like that's a part that I don't think we think about, that agents have uh, uh, a, a major hand in helping get those things set up so that there is some good coming out of this. So when you say, you know, it's just a bunch of overpaid millionaires running around out there. It's like, yeah, but you know what? They put a lot back into their communities when you really look into it. And uh, that's an aspect of uh, agents that I don't think we give them a lot of credit for. So definitely uh, good on him. That was a great conversation. I enjoyed that. I agree. That was very, very refreshing. Much needed. I mean, much needed after spending however many weeks you and I have been doing this podcast together. It's like, usually I get grumpy old Larry Morgan, you know, wow. yell, yelling at me about something. And now I get this pleasant man just, just huh. share, sharing his, huh. his wonderful stories. All right. All right. Who, who he, knew that you were going to, you were going to be the one to tarnish the, 
the good feelings of the podcast. We, we uh, had a terrible f- way to wrap things up today. I, you was, know what? Like, I, being 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 bullied. Ugh. You know, the tears aren't always going to come because of vulnerable sharing. Sometimes they're going to come from straight up bullying. It's just it's just <laughs> calling calling Lee Steinberg to represent me in the negotiations for this podcast going forward. Welcome to the Bad Wagon. He's Larry.